What print will guide your life? The print in the newspaper or the print in the Bible? What print will give you hope? What print will set the tone of your life? What general assumptions will you go by? The assumptions of our culture or the assumptions of our God? You are who you are. Made by God with a dignity and an importance that you may never know until you hear from God. And so, we start this study. Because God wants you to have the power to see from Him, to see Him everywhere you look, and to hear from Him in every conversation. The world divides, God heals. The world puts down, God lifts up. The world has no innate meaning. God has every wonderful purpose for you. We started this series last week where we talked about the importance of everyone, not just because God had made them and since all are made in the image of God, all are valuable, that's a rather low bar, or at least it should be. But because God uses people in order to speak to all of us, not just as a source of value, but a source of revelation, a source of revealing himself to all of us, and therefore everyone should be paid attention to, not just for who they are, but for who God wants you to be. And this week, we go a little further. We go into the fact that not only are you valuable, but you are called in order to call others. You have been chosen in order to help others understand they've been chosen. Now, this is a really difficult concept for most of us because, A, we don't feel special, and B, we don't feel qualified. But if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he was all about people who had no qualifications. I mean, think of when he stopped by the fishermen. I mean, you know fishermen. I know fishermen. These were fishermen, professional fishermen. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, he said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Can you imagine what went through their minds? What are you talking about? I've got no education. I've got no power. I've got no status. I've got nothing. I can't even, in my present state, keep ritual cleanliness of Jewish religion. I've got nothing. <laughs> and Jesus said, yeah, well, you got enough for me. When he said that, 
he not only pronounced a dignity and a worth and a purpose, he pronounced a, a pattern for us all. Because it says in Romans eight twenty nine, for those whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What's that mean? We're supposed to be like Jesus. If he did it, we're supposed to do it. Except for that whole Savior thing. You don't need to be, you don't need to be, we got a Savior, one Savior, enough Saviors. So quit trying to save the world. You don't need to do that. It's been done. But the whole reaching out after you understand that you have been chosen, you are God's person in that situation. Oh my goodness. If we could just grasp that, our whole lives would be different and people would see it. I heard a story once about these miners. You remember the gold rush back in the history uh, of, of our country, the great gold rush. And, and uh, there was this, the, the, this story about these four uh, um, gold seekers that went up to mine the, the, the streams uh, in this remote area. Nobody was around them. And, and one day, man, they hit it big. One of them cracked a rock and it was filled with gold flecks. And they traced back where that rock would have come from, and they found a vein of gold that was huge. And they started dancing around, celebrating. And they celebrated, I mean, for an hour. And they realized, man, there's, there's, it's just waiting for us. And then they realized, we got to go in town and get a bunch of supplies so that we'll have enough just to, just to take all this stuff out. And so, so before they went into town, they all made an agreement. You can't tell anyone. Because if you tell anyone, hundreds of people will come up here. They'll get our gold that we have discovered. We'll be in competition. Nobody tells anybody. They made a pact. Nobody tells anybody. They go into town. They get their supplies. Put it in the back of the wagon. Tie it up. And one of them looks at behind the wagon. There are a hundred people lined up behind that wagon, ready to follow them. They look at each other like, who spilled the beans? And they're all looking at each other and doing this. Finally, one of them shouted to the crowd, okay, who told you? And the reply came back, nobody had to tell us it's all over your faces. Can I just say to you that if you've been grabbed by God, it ought to be all over your faces. I mean, it ought to, there ought, people ought to be able to tell it. I've been chosen, you know. I've been gifted. I've been, I've been sent on a mission from God. There ought to, there, <clears throat> Aristotle used to say there are three basic forms of persuasion. One is called ethos. The second one is pathos. And the third one is logos. Ethos is the character of the presenter. In other words, people will believe the message because the presenter has credibility. 
The second one, pathos, is all about emotion. It's because there's a passion in there that is so attractive that people want that. They're excited. There's a response. Logos, we get the word logic from it, is all about reason. There's a deliberate, rational reason why you should do what I'm saying. The Greek line always was convinced that Logos was the most powerful persuader. But anyone who knows anything about the human response knows that's not true. People don't do things because they know it's the right thing to do. If you've read The Righteous Mind, you'll know, and several other studies, that people make their decisions on the basis of emotion. Our hearts are what make us have the first response. We ought to be having this sense that the good news is not only for us, it's in us, for others. And therefore, because God has chosen us, he wants us to be a part of choosing others. The gift we have is not for us, not just for us. It says in 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 10. Each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Remember what grace is? Unmerited favor. Doesn't matter who gets it. You got to share it because you're so full of it. <laughs> the, 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 and, and, and steward simply means management. A steward is somebody who manages somebody else's good. That which is in you is of God. That power that is in you is of God. And so therefore, our main job is to recruit others while we listen to others and hear what God would say to us through them. Now, There's a trick to this, and let me tell you what it is. Most of us have a group that we naturally relate to. The problem with that is we have this leaning toward a homeostasis. We don't want to mix it. We don't want to to, uh, really um, 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 cause confusion or angst in the group. And so we aren't strongest in delivering new messages to our group. We're in the group because we fit in the group. They are people who believe like you do, who vote like you do, who have the same interests you do, who look like you do most of the time. That's your group. When Jesus told that parable about the, the shepherd, and, 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 and I, he, was ta- he was talking about the group, the safe group that most people devote all their time to. Jesus was infamous in his day for going out of the recognized group and relating to people who other people wouldn't relate to. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 15, it says this, starting with verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. (laughs) Tax collectors and sinners were the outsiders. They're the ones that, that that society dismissed and disrespected and even feared a little, to tell you the truth. 
We still aren't too keen on the tax collector, are we? But, but that's who gathered around Jesus, and that's who Jesus hung around. That's who he sought and who sought him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, stop right there. Who's this? That's the insiders. That's who society would expect a religious teacher to hang around, a religious person to hang around. You hang around those who have credibility, those who are safe, those who are recognized by society as the insiders. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. (laughs) And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Who's the the 99, first of all? The 99 are the ones in your group. That's your flock. Are they valuable? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're every bit as valuable as the one. But the one is every bit as valuable as they are. And that's why Jesus goes out. Because not only is that one important in and of itself, that group, as Pastor, said, Pastor Vernon said, is incomplete without that one. Do you ever, you ever sense that somebody's missing in our group? Somebody's missing. Somebody ought to be here who's not here. I have that sense every time. Every time we gather, somebody's missing. Somebody ought to be here who wouldn't be. And they're not going to be here just because they just decided to walk in the door. Somebody got to go get them. And when you find them, you bear that weight. You know, in in recovery groups, they call this a sponsor. I'll carry you. I'll carry you. So how do you do that? How do you go out of your normal relationships in order to find the others who could both in a conversation reveal things of God to you and who you could reveal things of God to them? How do you do that? Here's the key. You've got to start prioritizing conversations you wouldn't ordinarily have but you could have with just a little effort. Do you have, I'm going to grab this, I'm going to come down, don't get scared. Here's what I want you to think. Who are the people you're around who are not people that you regularly hang out with, but maybe you see them often enough that just with a little bit of effort, you could get get past hello and you could have a conversation with you. You might be able to ask them a question about themselves. And you might be able to listen and then ask another questions about them just to get, just to start a conversation, just to get to know them, get some sort of connection to them. Can you think of any place in your life where that can happen in a venue that you're in periodically, but it's not your regular hang, hangout? Anybody got an idea of, and, and I'll just, mezzanine someday I'll get up there because I've got a pit that I need the steps, but... Um, but we don't have a camera that can come up there. So we're just on the floor right now, anybody got an idea in their life, just talk about your life, of where you might have 
be able to have a conversation with somebody and create a beginning relationship with them. Anybody got a venue in mind? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Okay, this is not a secret soccer team. She lost, she lost her voice. Oh, I'm doing it again. She lost her voice. But her son's soccer team, perfect example. If your kids are in sports, who are your ongoing companions? It's the, it's the other kids' families. You know, Northland grew at its fastest place, at its, at its fastest pace in the, in the past, at the, begin, the beginning stages, because my kids were in Little League. And, and, and we hung around, uh, and I, didn't, I never went and said, hi, I'm a preacher coming to my church. But just with the ordinary conversation and with the ordinary relationship building, the people we wouldn't automatically have related to had our kids not been in the same activity. They, I mean, they, they started showing up just because we were nice to them and we were interested in them. I saw a hand back here. I'm coming, I'm coming. Good. See, now you're helping me out with my Fitbit. Uh, 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 here, I'll pass. Somebody, yeah, pass it down. Hi. So we had an interruption in our lives in July of last year when my father passed away. We were away from the church for many, many years. Um, we discovered this church, and everyone here has been so welcoming to us. And so helpful for us as we dealt with our grief. So um, I would say that this church has been it for us. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't that that the case? When there's a special tragedy, a special celebration, that God will use that, just that unusual circumstance in order to build permanent relationships and call people to himself. Yes, yes. Hi there. Um, the grocery store, we're all in there a lot and spend lots of time, especially if they take your groceries out. We spend a lot of time talking. So it's a good Absolutely time. right. The grocery store, one of the main venues that people just, just naturally, you know, kind of get in conversations. Uh, and, you, and, and you go back to the same grocery store repeatedly. And so, therefore, you're able over a period of time to, um, to um, build relationships with some of the same folks. I see, I see that hand. I know for people like my age, school is a really good place to have a conversation. Perfect. School. And schools are just, I'm coming. And schools are, are the quintessential small society. Because in school there are cliques, aren't there? And these cliques many times like our ironclad in their walls. But if somebody goes out of the clique to speak to someone, you know, when I was in school, there were the future farmers of America. There were the the sports people. I don't know if I can say that in church. I guess this is my church. Sure I can. Jocks. There There were the cool kids. There were the, you know, the science, you know, astronomy club people, um, and so on and so forth. But if you went, if you made a deliberate attempt to, attempt to go outside those cliques, you found rich relationships. Go ahead. The gym. The gym. Look at that. There's, there's a double benefit there, isn't there? <laughs> yes, you're, yeah, I, I remember seeing the hand. Go ahead. Thank you. 
Um, the third family member I was told to leave in the woods as a drug addicted alcoholic had just left, including threatening our lives. I still treated him with dignity as a human being, and God's in charge, and we okay. are safe. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So people who are in crisis situations, people are in crisis situations that really don't have any alternative, the perfect, the perfect opportunity for a believer who will care and show compassion. Yes, one more. Go ahead. Um, places that you don't even think that you're going to find people. Um, I started uh, going through the ASL class here, and eventually I found out that there is a group of ASL people who meet at Altamont Springs, and basically you find people, you communicate with them, and not even speaking people, but with ASL language. So yeah. it's awesome. That's great. Now tell us what ACL is. ASL is American Sign Language. American Sign Language. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. In your in in those kind of educated, they they have contiguous groups attached to them. Well, you get the idea here, right? I mean, every day you have an abundance of opportunities if you'll just look around. And 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 I'm going to say this again at the end because it's because it's um, it's important. But let me just say. In the New Testament, if you count the number of Jesus' contacts with other people, meaningful contacts with other people, there are 132 contacts that Jesus makes. Now watch this. Six of those are made in the temple. Four of those are made in a synagogue. 122 are made in the mainstream of life, just as he walked along with his regular life. You will have meaningful spiritual conversations in your groups. But if your groups work right, most of your meaningful conversations will begin to build with those places that are just ordinary, that are your regular life. That's a part of seeing God everywhere. That's a part of hearing from God everywhere. We know it because it was modeled by Jesus. It was modeled in his life. When I do just my regular life, just respond to invitations. Many of you have invitations to do different things. I do too. Lots of invitation for activities outside the church. And I, I practically always take them. Because, because it's, it's, there, it's there, I know I will advance the kingdom. I know I build the kingdom here, I advance the kingdom out there. You understand the difference? I build the kingdom here, I advance the kingdom out there. Like this past Friday, I was at a leadership, uh, giving a talk at Leadership Seminole. It's in, in, in our county, that's the business leaders and, the, and other kinds of leaders, uh, um, faith leaders and public leaders and so on and so forth. And I was on a panel with our sheriff and with the superintendents of, of the Seminole County Schools. Uh, afterwards, people came up. Several things happened. Number one, there are so many of you that are distributed throughout this community, throughout this city, throughout this state. In these groups, you already have the, what I'm talking about here. Those normally non-religious conversations that become 
full of value and opportunity for the kingdom. You already have this. So there are several Northland people come up. I, I, meet, I, I tell people I meet more people outside the walls of this church than I do inside of, of Northland people. Second, there were people who come up, came up and just wanted to give me solutions. You ever have this in your life? People, people just want to give you solutions, you know, to, what, to, to anything you've said. My wife can go to the store. There's somebody missing the store. And for some reason, people would just come up to her and tell her what to buy and what not to buy. I mean, they don't even know her. You know, she must have some sort of invisible target on her. They never do it with me. I guess I'm, I'm not very friendly looking. But, but the, I, they, there have been people come up and take stuff out of her cart and said to her, you don't want to buy this. You know, perfect opportunity for a conversation. Because, because people want to give you solutions. People want to ask questions. People want to make suggestions. Perfect. Perfect. Wednesday night, we had here what was really a, a terrific event. It's, it was a forum on capital punishment. All of the panelists were Christians. They argued their points from Scripture. There were pro-capital punishment. There were anti-capital punishment. And, and there were only about 100 here, but there were over 2,000 online on Facebook that were participating in this. The point was not, where do you end up in your position on capital punishment? The point was, can Christians really disagree and still love each other and treat each other with respect and dignity? Can Christians not be divided just because they disagree? That was the point. And it was wonderful. All of us learned so much because we weren't so um, um, interested in persuading one another to come to our side as we were from learning one another. There was a guy here who had been on death row for years. And when the Supreme Court of Florida overturned the way we do the death penalty, they reheard his case by unanimous decision. They said, not only did you not do a crime worthy of capital punishment, we can't find evidence that you did any crime at all. And he was on death row. Now, do you think we had something to learn from him? You bet. You bet we did. The point here is this. Let me tell you the difference between the way the world does, does um, relationship building and the, the way we do. The world, there are four words in, in scripture for, for love. Um, eros, philia, storge, and, and, um, and uh, agape. Uh, philia and storge are, are brotherly love, Philadelphia, and storge is family love. But eros on this side, well, let me do this. Some of you are meeting people online, aren't you? And dating. You have dating services online. Now, I've got to tell you, I don't, I don't object to that at all. I, I, you know, it's better than, you know, it used to be you had to go in a bar. That's not a really good beginning, I'll tell you, for any. So, 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 yeah, you know, eHarmony or Christian Mingles or whatever, whatever you do. But, but when you think of Eros, Eros is the uh, 
we get the word erotic from it. It's, more, it's the more need-based love. It's the most appetite-based love. And when you go on these, when you go on these sites, what, you, what do you do? You, you fill out volumes of information about yourself. Because, you know, that's where you get the long walks at the beach, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and it's okay. But what you're aiming for is just the right person to fill the vacuum. And so if somebody else gives you volumes of information, that maximizes the chances that you're going to get just the right fit of a person to fill the emptiness that you're looking to have filled. That's eros. What's agape? Agape is the love of God. It's so full that it has to be shared. It's so full, it just overflows. Who are they looking for? Anybody. Whoever's right in front of them, they get the benefit. Because it's not a need looking for a filling, it's a fullness looking for a sharing. And that's what we're talking about here. When God says, I'm sending you out, he's not sending you out in order to seek something. In order to build up something. He's sending you out because he's given you so much. That he wants you to share the good news with somebody else so that they can see why they were made, how they're loved, so that they can pass it on to somebody else. That's the way it works. That's how the world's changed, by the way. The world didn't change by politics. Have you noticed that? The world is changed by these, what Vernon called, small practices of the gospel. I love that. And when you do that, well, here's, here's our original calling. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. In you, all the family of the earth will be blessed. All of the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's our calling. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, um, starting with verse 39. And all these, it's talking about the, the people of faith, the great people of faith. All of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now watch. If you, if, if, if you could be a person full of faith like Abraham and Moses, man, don't you think that'd be, that, that would be plenty, right? That would be all you could get. No, it's not. Because it wasn't all they could get. Their faith is completed in us. Because of them, we have faith. They passed it on to us. Guess what this pattern tells us about the genius of God? Your faith won't be completed in you. Your faith will be completed by passing it on to someone else. That's how you're made perfect. That's how you're made, made mature. It says, because God had provided something better for us so that, we, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Apart from the people you will talk to, you will not be made perfect or complete. And so therefore, the Bible says, go. This is our great commission. You know this. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. By the way, when you go, you're not going in your own authority. The authority of all of heaven has been passed on to you. The power of all of heaven has been passed on to you. It says, go therefore. 
Now, in, in Greek, I've told you this before, it's as you are going. Your normal state is going. It's just, it's just like, I expect you'll be going, right? Just let me do a little survey here. Are any of you planning on spending the night in the sanctuary tonight? Any of you going to stick around um, all afternoon after the service is over? Any, any? Okay, you're going to stick around? You're going to be in here? Okay. How about the night? Are you going to spend the night here? Okay, okay. So the point is, you're going to be going, right? That's what the Bible recognizes. As you're going, what are you going to go to? Your regular life. That is your mission field. As you are going, make disciples. As you are going, continue in the conversations that you can build and watch what God does. He'll make those into spiritual conversations because everybody has a hole 10 feet deep when it comes to spiritual things. We were made like that. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, Augustine said. And you've got to realize the power you have. In 1 Peter 4.11, it says this. It says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. You know, in normal conversation, you could be talking about the weather. And if you have God in your heart, there's a power, there's a draw, there's a winsomeness there that will guide that conversation into his recruiting efforts. (laughs) Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength in which God supplies. And so therefore, remember Jesus. Remember that we are to be conformed to his image. We are to become like him. He had several significant conversations in religious settings, but most of his conversations he had in regular life. And let me go on with that 1 Peter 4.11, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this wonderful next step as we are in this study together that is going to help us see you in every situation, hear you in every voice, help us like Jesus to be talking to people who we wouldn't ordinarily include in a religious setting, who we wouldn't ordinarily listen to in a religious sense, who we might not even think wants the love of God. Help us to engage them and be truly interested in them. Because we know in those conversations, you will not only speak to us, you will speak to them. As we love them, as we serve them, we will do it in your power, with your purpose. We pray that you would apply this to our minds, that we might not grow shallow, and to our hearts, that we might not grow cold, and to our feet. that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen.